XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. Welcome to XV Planus. Greetings, friends and fiends, and welcome back to XV Planus, the podcast where we don't just talk about the paranormal, we put boots on the ground and pursue it in the field. Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very excited to be back here on the mic to dive further into the unknown, the enigmatic, and the just plain weird with you all. I hope you all are doing well out there and thoroughly enjoying this spooky season. It's been wonderful seeing all of my fellow creators release some truly wonderful content over the last month. In particular, I'd love to give a huge shout-out to Camera Occulta. Camera Occulta is a new series joining us on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network that does deep dives into occult representations in cinema. I was honored to be the first guest on this series where we dug into one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years, A Dark Song. Now, if you've been listening to me for long enough, I don't think I need to dive too far into that because I've rambled about enough, but definitely check out the link in the show notes so you can hear a different interpretation of our views on this particular movie, which I adore so much. And speaking of shoutouts, our friends over at the Astonishing Legends Network have released a new series called Scared All the Time, hosted by Ed Vicola and Chris Colari. It's a great series that is just as insightful as Astonishing Legends, but a little bit closer to hanging out at the bar with friends after listening to Astonishing Legends. And speaking of our boys over at AL, Scott and Forrest just recently released an episode from their Patreon series, The Astonishing Junk Drawer, on their main feed, featuring none other than myself. Look for Astonishing Junk Drawer number 5 on their main feed and you'll find it. They'll have the Spotify link in the show notes if you need quick access. I also have some other guest spots coming down the podcast pipeline soon, including one on which way from here to talk a bit about my own personal paranormal journey and ad hoc history, where you can hear Luxa, Asher, and Dave from Unearthing Paranormalcy as well as myself scratch the surface on this whole UFO disclosure thing. So be sure to keep an eye on those shows and all of XV Planet's social media to catch them when they're released. Tonight, we're going to dig into hauntings and history with the Spirits of Wake Forest crew from North Carolina. If you're following our adventures on social media, you may remember that earlier this year, the XV Planet's field team was invited to be the first investigators to a number of locations in North Carolina. This was truly an honor for us because... After doing this for several years, I can tell you that a lot of quote-unquote investigators and ghost hunters have a habit of dragging a lot of dirt in on their shoes and imposing their own personal issues on potentially active paranormal hotspots. So to have the opportunity to conduct research and investigations in places virtually untouched by human baggage was beautiful. We're going to get into that conversation soon, but before we go barreling into that discussion... We're going to make a quick detour to talk with our friend Brandon McCraney to tell us a little bit more about this Natchez Bigfoot Birthday Bash Festival that I've been talking about. All right, friends and fiends, it is my great pleasure to welcome a friend of the show, uh, Brandon Gatorman McCraney. 
from Natchez, Mississippi. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. So you and I actually have some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, and this is really your baby, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about this and, and get the word out about the Natchez Bigfoot Birthday Bash. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, back in uh, 2021, I wanted to get Natchez recognized as being the first, the, we recognized as having the first documented account of a Bigfoot encounter that happened in 1721. It's just, it was the 300th anniversary, like what better year to do do a little birthday bash. And so that's that's what I did. Got together with my buddy Jim Bob, all good, and we put on a little festival, and th- now we're doing year three. So, yeah, this is year three, right? That's fantastic, man. I'm so glad that—and, uh, that, you know, i got to tell you, as a diehard Bigfoot fanatic myself— I never even knew that. So whenever I came back to town and I found out you're doing this, I'm like, what the hell is this all about? And then it, I dug into the story. Well, that seems, that's, that's the big question. And everybody's like, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, well, you know, Natchez is famous for so many things. We're the oldest settlement on the Mississippi River. At one point, we were the richest settlement in, or, or city in the United States. Uh, for the first for many things. But um, doing some research one day, and because of my passion for Bigfoot and Natchez, uh, it came up on my computer, Google, uh, that Natchez in 1721, actually December 25th, so Christmas Day, 1721, a French Jesuit priest, Pierre de Chalavois, something like that. I'm, I'm I can't remember his name. Either. I'm You're butchering. Good. I'm pretty close. <laughs> but uh, but he was he was visiting with the Natchez Indians, and they his, there's an account in his journal that you can read to this day, and it's like so many other Bigfoot uh, stories or accounts of encounters. It's not so much seeing, but they, they heard this noise outside. There's, they're in the woods surrounding the settlement, and there was a roar, kind of a growl, big noise. And he was, everybody got upset, and he was t- telling the, the, the natives, the indigenous people, <laughs> that no, it could be a wolf or something. They're like, no, this is something different. Mm-hmm. It comes and it takes our animals, steals our livestock, it's a monster beast. Yeah. And that's what, if you would like to look it up and get the whole encounter, you can Google Nat- Monster Beast of Natchez. Yeah, I'll actually have a, uh, a link to that in the show notes so people can check it out and, and read the whole account itself. Um, it's, it's fascinating. And, and then uh, in the 1970s, there was a flap of sightings in Natchez again. And there's a lady who had a story. She was living on the bluff that one came and took one of her hogs away. So, okay, okay, so this I have not heard about. Oh, yeah. Really? Um, well, that's how I first got into Bigfoot. Um, my brother uh, had a sighting. And he was, that's, and I heard this story when I was a little kid. But he was probably about five or six years old and uh, was out with his BB gun. Times were different back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a six year old kid, could have a BB gun. But I was, had his dog, and they came running into the house, got up under the bed, was terrified. He was screaming and crying. That he saw this, this this hairy man, and and then over the next few days there was even in the Natchez Democrat, uh, the story of the lady seeing one on the bluff to, taking her hog. Okay, that's uh, fascinating. I'm gonna have to look that up well, and see. Well, we gotta can... remember we're right here on the Mississippi River, and you know they, a lot of people believe that they use water systems for like highways. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they travel down you know rivers and creeks and stuff like that. So, you know, we're the biggest we're the the main interstate in the United States, the right. Mississippi River. Yeah, absolutely. So, so all right, with this year's festival, it's going on for two days, November 17th and 18th. Uh, what can we, we expect? What are the events that are going to be going on? Well, it's exciting this year. We partnered with the uh, Natchez Little Theater, 
and I want to thank everybody involved with, with, with that organization. They came to me. They liked what I was doing and thought they could uh, uh, provide some more stuff to do. And uh, this year we're proud to announce that we're doing an actual stage production, uh, Revenge of Big, Bigfoot's Revenge, I believe is the name of it. Uh-huh. And uh, it'll be a stage production on the set, November 17th at the Natchez Little Theater. And then Saturday we're going to have a festival on the Natchez Bluff at the gazebo, or the bandstand. With live music, vendors, arts and crafts. We're going to do some Bigfoot competitions like Best Bigfoot Call and things like that. And uh, Am I allowed to... to absolutely. Oh, okay, because I'm, I'm going to try. Yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> if, if you're, as long as I haven't made you a judge. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. And then after that, we've, uh, we're going to have some guest speakers uh, at the Natchez Little Theater in the auditorium uh, on stage. And uh, we're excited to have M.K. Davis from Yazoo, Mississippi. Uh, his work with... Uh, he's done a lot of work with Patterson Film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and he's very respected. He's been on the Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and then a couple other. I'm, I'm going to host. I'll probably get up and talk a little bit about the Natchez, my connection with it and everything, and the background of Natchez. And, and then we're uh, excited to have you as our third speaker. Yeah, that's correct. I will be doing a, uh, a kind of a symposium on the stranger side of, of the Bigfoot mystery. Um, for those of you who subscribe to my Patreon, y'all have already heard M.K. Davis before. If you remember, he was on just earlier this year, and we were talking about some of the, uh, the history with uh, the tribes over on Shasta Mountain and, and their connection to it. Really fascinating stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm going to release that one out to the public as a celebration for this festival whenever that comes around. Well, last year, uh, we, we, we had him as a speaker, and he spoke about the Native American connection. This year, he's going to be talking about the Willow Creek Massacre, which is pretty controversial. Uh, It's, you know, the the backstory around the Patterson film and the sighting and a lot of stuff that there's a a theory or theories out there that there was a lot more going on than just the sighting of Patty in that, you know, 22nd clip. Right. I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Yeah, that's that's going to be wild. And uh, speaking of that play, both you and I are going to be a part of that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're not going to tell you what roles we're playing. We're just going to encourage you to come on down and check it out because I guarantee you, folks are going to. It's a hoot. It's going to be legendary. Ah, I see what you did there, but I'm Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I can't thank you enough for uh, letting me hop on and to to great. be a part of this. I, th- I think it's going to be fantastic. And um, yeah, so that's going to be Natchez 17th and 18th in uh, in November. 17th and 18th in Natchez, Mississippi. Most of this will be held at the Little Theater, and as Brandon said, we'll have uh, some vendors, some performers down on the bluff. There's a couple of things going on at night, too, like some of the local bars are going to be... There's always stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, do follow us on Facebook at Natchez Bigfoot. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have links for those in the show notes as well. Um, And see, what else was there? Oh, uh, speaking of that whole weekend... For those of you making the trip, we are probably going to be doing some overnight investigations of the Natchez Little Theater for all you uh, paranormal nutcases out there. We might be live streaming one of them, uh, so keep tabs on us, watch our social media feeds. Also, the Q&A with the speakers after the lectures. Yes, absolutely. We will be doing a live podcast recording at the end of the symposiums on the 18th. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out just a, a call and an invitation, a Bigfoot call, an invitation to any of the locals around here who have stories about Bigfoot. We would love to hear from you, and there will be an open mic set up so that you can come and share your stories with us, which I'm really looking forward to. I know we got a couple of people. Let's get this documented. 
absolutely. As a matter of fact, one of our cohorts here who wrote this tonight has a, a pretty wild story that I'm trying to convince him to come up on stage and share with us. I bet we can get him too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it. We'll put it to him. All right. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for uh, stopping in. Anytime. We really, really appreciate this. And uh, yeah, everybody. Check out all the links on social media. We'll have everything that you need to know on there. If you are local, you better be here. And if you're not, make the trip on down. I promise you it's going to be worth it. It's going to be an absolute blast. Right on. Any final thoughts, Brandon? Natchez Bigfoot. Natchez Bigfoot. Natchez Bigfoot. (laughs) You got it, man. We'll be there. Epic history. Like the Greeks are like on the beach, they're like doing burpees or something. <laughs> the Persians sail up and they've got like they've got like little spears and pomegranates and stuff, and they're like, hey, wanna be part of our cool empire? In-depth commentary. Cutting edge expert drunken analysis. <laughs> two people that you don't know anything about. It's ad hoc history with Asher and Luxa siblings extraordinaire hey just real quick like if you were emperor would you choose me as second emperor uh (laughs) (laughs) next question learning it's not pretty it's not nice and if you want to talk about justification for war and all these things but when you get to how the sausage is actually made this is it it's ad hoc history It's not the history podcast you wanted. It's the history podcast you deserve. Many thanks to Brandon for joining us to fill us in a little bit more about what this festival is going to be all about. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information, and be sure to keep your eyes on all of our social media accounts as we approach the dates of the festival, which is November 17th and 18th. And you might be able to catch some of the fun and maybe a few special live streams for my Patreon subscribers. Now, on to the centerpiece of this episode. Early in 2023, XV Planets crew member Walker reached out to me and suggested that I connect with the masterminds of the Spirits of Wake Forest a seasonal haunted history tour that occurs every fall in Wake Forest, North Carolina. As most of you know, I tend to stray away from ghost tours because I find a lot of them disingenuous, often taking too many liberties with the history and turning it into a story, not history. Well, I am pleasantly surprised that this was not the case with our friends at Wake Forest. Not only do they share the history, but they share the stories of suspected spirits in a most respectful and intriguing way. After connecting with the team of Wake Forest, we were offered the opportunity to be the first investigators to ever research the locations firsthand. And while our investigation is technically just beginning, I thought this would be a great introduction because you'll be hearing a lot about Wake Forest quite a bit in Season 4 as we expand our techniques, our methods, our team, and our collaborations in the future. So without further ado, please welcome, for the first time, Libby, Kent, and Dolores of the Spirits of Wake Forest. (music) 
It is my great pleasure to have three amazing people with me tonight. Dolores, Kent, and Libby from the Spirits of Wake Forest. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been a long time coming, and I'm unfortunately, we're a little bit delayed. This was supposed to be happening back in December or September, but, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So I want to thank you all for coming out and joining me tonight. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Oh, anytime. Yeah, there's a tip of the iceberg, too. We'll be collaborating a lot in the in the upcoming future, as we've discussed. Um, so before we get rolling on uh, Spirits of Wake Forest, I was hoping we can just briefly go down the line and, and give all of you an introduction and a chance to, to kind of fill my listeners in on who you are. Dolores, can we start with you? Yes, um, I'm Dolores Riggins, and I'm a downtown business owner in Wake Forest, a little gift shop called Southern Suds and Gifts, and... I was um, proudly one of the co-founders of the Wake Forest Spirit Walk. So Fantastic. Kent, how about you? So I own a local magazine for the Wake Forest area called Circa Magazine. I'm also a board member for WFD and the other proud co-founder of the Spirit Stores. Nice. Very well. Libby, my friend, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, my name is Libby Leitner-Kemp. I own a massage and wellness studio here in downtown Wake Forest. And I was recruited onto the Spirits Committee a year after they started. Um, they did not have to twist my arm very hard. I was actually on one of the first tours the first year and thought it was the coolest thing. So as soon as I got a business in downtown and heard that they were looking for recruits, I was 100% on board and I have been full throttle ever since. It's so much fun. 100% it is. And as somebody who's gone and, and experienced a lot of these, uh, you know, like ghost walks and, and haunted history tours, you guys really have developed something truly special. And um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But I was wondering, just for my listeners, like they, most people know that this whole show, this whole concept got started in North Carolina in the Triangle area, and Wake Forest is right in that little area. I was hoping we could talk just a little bit about the history of the town itself. Okay, I'll, I, I'll start. About 1832, Wake Forest College was founded by, um, well, his name, Calvin Jones. And um, so it, uh, the town built up around the college basically. And um, then there were a lot of textile mills that came in, particularly the Royal Cotton Mill. And there were cotton brokers who, one of the largest in the Southeast at the time. And then the college left in 1956 and moved to Winston-Salem, and um, which was very upsetting to the town but the mill took over and they really boosted the economy and has helped make Wake Forest you know survive and what it is today um, but that there's a lot more history than that uh, a lot of our streets downtown are named for past college presidents pr certain professors uh, there's some interesting facts about how the buildings on one side of the street that now face the main road used to face the railroad tracks because the railroad was integral in getting Wake Forest on the map. That's 
that's what I know. <laughs> well, it's incredible that the town bounced back the way that it did, because whenever you have something uh, as large as that, like a college or university uprooting and taken off, like as, as you kind of hinted, that comes with great detriment to the local economy and, and everything else. But you guys seem to be doing just fine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah. All right. Kent, Libby, do either of you have anything to uh, add regarding the, the history? Um, I'll obviously give plenty in the show notes and plenty of links for my listeners to do a little bit deeper dive, but any other details y'all wanted to offer? I would say that pretty much sums it up. Dolores is basically the goat when it comes to these things. So I would say defer to, um, I only know for the most part what's in the script and it's amazingly educational. The things that I've learned that all the tour goers learn on the tour about the beginnings of Wake Forest, of the town itself, and then some of the hardships and things that it's gone through. So it is um, not just entertaining and spooky, but also educational. Yeah, you get learn while you you learn while you get haunted. You can't really beat that. <laughs> Excellent. Well. Let's let's talk about Spirits Awake Force and how this actually came about. Like I, I hinted a little bit earlier on that, that this was like a it's a haunted history tour, a very, very detailed one. And we'll we'll talk about that in greater detail. But how did how did this concept even come about? Was it one person's idea? Was it a group of y'all who came up with it? Uh, you know, everybody just sitting around uh, drinking spooky drinks one night and somebody goes, <laughs> let's go for a walk. And let's <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of a fluke. Uh, this actually came to fruition um, the summer of 2020 when the world was shut down due to COVID. And uh, I was visiting Dolores. We were at that point able to go and go out and about, but but things were still on hold because of COVID. But I was in Dolores' store, Southern Suds, and I believe it just kind of started because we were talking about things that we had been doing during COVID to entertain ourselves. and kind of just talked about how we had watched some of the shows on TV, uh, like Kindred Spirits was, I think, the one that actually kind of started this whole thing. And she said that she had been watching it. And we just kind of started talking about that. And in the back of the store was a, a wonderful lady named Lisa Hayes, who was our downtown development director at the time. And she happened to hear us talking about it. And it just kind of evolved. She had said that they had been wanting to, or she had been wanting to do ghost tours in town for so long. And it just hadn't really been able to happen. Um, she'd actually already been given some information from the Wake Forest Historical Museum about some of the legends and lore that had been happening in town. And that was in August, I believe, of 2020. Is that correct, Dolores? I think it was August. That's correct. Yes. And we thought, what a great opportunity to do something for the town um, in downtown when all of the events that we had been hosting prior to that had been canceled. So we thought we could do this outside. We could do it safely. So we kind of proposed it to our board and it took off very quickly. Um in time for it to launch basically the end of September, beginning of October. And that's kind of how it started. Wow. Y'all hit the ground running with that, didn't you? Nice. Yes, we did. <laughs> so this is now the third year that y'all have been doing this. And um, fourth. fourth, this is fourth. fourth year. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. My apologies. I can't count. I swear. Really? <laughs> um No, that's fantastic. Has, uh, has the interest in um, uh, the, size of your crowd grown since then, I'm assuming? 
Yes. Thankfully, once all the restrictions were uplift were lifted and we no longer had to follow the social distancing, we did increase our tours to 20 people per tour. We feel like that that's a kind of a good number to let people still be able to hear well. We don't want them to get too large where they really miss some of the information and the experience. You definitely don't want to get up to bullhorn status where you're starting to scream at people because it really, really loses the effect. <laughs> right. But we have been able to increase the number of tours um, as well as the quantity of people per tour. Excellent. That is fantastic. Well, as somebody who has experienced it firsthand with a private tour, no less, I might add, um, I, it's definitely one of the more unique ones that I've ever seen. And I, I really do love the balance of history and haunt that you you all provide. It's tastefully done. It's intriguing. And Wake Forest is just absolutely beautiful. I never really got to spend that much time up there when I was living in the Triangle. And I'm really regretting that now because I was just starting to scratch the surface on that place before I had to leave. But I'll be back. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> So regarding uh, the the actual tour itself, it's it hits on quite a few places in uh, in Wake Forest, and I do want to talk about some of them, but we're not going to cover it all because, folks, I really want you all out there listening to, if you're especially if you're local, go and do this yourself. I think you're out of luck this year because it sounds like everybody's sold out. Yeah, right. But next year it will be back, and I will probably be lurking around in the background somewhere when it happens. So you definitely don't want to miss that. But yeah, let's uh, let's dig into a few of these spots um, because we had the opportunity to go and check some of these out ourselves and actually do some um, small scale investigations, which ended up being pretty darn impressive by by my standards, if I if I do say so. So let, let's talk about just a few of them. And then the first one that I really want to dig into is uh, Broadside and Bruce. I can't really remember the history of this place. Can can one of y'all just give us a little quip on that? It was the first. Western Auto in Wake Forest, and it was built by, um, or that was run by Paul Brixoff, who was a mayor of Wake Forest, as, as well as a town commissioner. Uh, so it, it's a rather old, old, old building. And everybody who's listening, be sure to remember that name, Paul. That's going to come back around here in just a little bit. That was, I, I think, probably the most impressive spot that we got a chance to to check out ourselves. From the get-go, I mean, we investigated there, I want to say, uh, two nights, and both of them we were getting uh, minor activity. In one case, we got some really interesting activity, which we're going to dig into here in just a little bit. And Dolores, you and I were just talking about this before uh, we, we hit record on this. We started off that first night doing a couple of spirit box experiments. Uh, any of you who have been following me long enough, you know what the Estes session is. We do it all the time. And we got a ping through the ghost box of a name, Paul. And it kept showing it back up, not only there, but in some of the other locations that we went to as we investigated, which cracked me up because that kind of lends a little bit of credence to the idea that some of these things are transient. They can move from one spot to the other which is something I'm definitely starting to pick up. And buddy, let me tell you down here in the South is it is creepy and haunted and things don't stay in one place. I can promise you that they are everywhere. But one of the most incredible things that I've ever experienced on a, an investigation was on the second night that we investigated broadside and bruise, we split up into two teams. Half of us went down into the basement and I set up a series of experiments involving um, the laser grid and the full spectrum camera and things like that. 
while the rest of the crowd went up to the top floor and did some spirit box and Estes sessions and uh, human pendulum experiments. During the time that we were hanging out in the basement, we kept on hearing the occasional footstep up above us. And I wasn't thinking anything of it at the time. I'm like, oh, somebody probably came down from uh, upstairs, grab some, something to drink, step outside, whatever. Probably not a big deal. But after about half an hour, I was down there and uh, the three gentlemen that were with me, I'm sorry, I can't remember everybody's names, but we're all sitting there staring into the darkness, watching the laser grid, and we see the light beams like break a little bit, to which kind of hints that something was actually moving. We couldn't see it with the naked eye, but we could see the light beam break. As we're sitting there watching this, we're leaning in and staring, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... It sounded like somebody dropped a hundred pound bag of cement on the floor right above us. And it was enough that it made all of us go, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> and as soon as that happened, I, uh, I whipped out my phone and I sent a text to uh, some of my partners upstairs. I'm like, any of y'all on the first floor? Any of y'all walking around? I'm like, no, no, we're all up here. Coolsies. That's a little creepy. Well, it turns out I actually do have video of that with audio, and I'm going to be sharing that as this episode releases so that everybody will get a chance to hear it. We can't explain what that noise was, but Dolores, you just told me a story before we hit record on this that I found fascinating. I was wondering if we could go back to that just ever so briefly. Oh, Kent, Kent has a few more details on that oh, than that's, I do. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so I'll let her take care of that. <laughs> So last Monday, one of the tour guides sent Dolores and me an email, uh, basically just asking us to clarify with the Broadsides and Brews owners if anybody had been in the building, which in addition to Broadsides and Brews, there are some other tenants upstairs. So he asked if we could confirm if that the building was empty that Saturday night when he was doing a tour. So he said, if not, we might have had some paranormal activity. So I instantly texted the owner and she said that she was out of town and she was going to confirm that nobody else was there. Obviously, she was not. Um, she confirmed that there were no construction workers working on the new business. The uh, tenants upstairs were out of town as well. So we were able to get confirmation that it was totally empty during that seven o'clock tour. And so I emailed the tour guide back and he said, yeah, and basically what they heard, he was doing the, the story that was pertinent to, to that building. And all of a sudden he said they heard a really loud whomp, really loud to the point where it made some of the tour attendees kind of jump back and including himself as the tour guide. So I shared that with the owner and she said, to be honest, she's not surprised because they are constantly hearing stuff in her building, um, including, and I didn't share this with you before, John, I apologize, but they they definitely hear things upstairs in the back office, uh, but they also hear what sound like footsteps on the roof. And so she and her daughter, who happened to be with her that, that night, um, both acknowledged that they heard it and they heard the same thing. So they went to the roof to try and, see if they could figure out, was it a cat? Was it a squirrel? You know, something had to explain the sound, but there was nothing up there. They could not determine what it was. Um, they could not duplicate the sound other than when the daughter kind of did a, a running sound. They said, yep, that's what we heard. 
And she said, oh my gosh, that was about seven o'clock, which was the same time that the loud womp had happened on the tour a few days before. So now I'm going to have to go back and look at the timestamp on that video footage and see if it lines up with that as well. Although I'm pretty sure that was a little bit later in the evening for us. But if things do happen to start occurring on a regular time frame, that's definitely worth setting up some cameras and some sensors for to capture. Absolutely. So what is the uh, what is the actual lore behind Broadside and Bruce? Like uh, supposedly what's going on there? So they are opening their business is going to be um, and I'm probably not describing it correctly, but it's going to be like a, a piano lounge. Um, they're going to have cocktails, mocktails, teas, coffees, boozy ice cream. Um, and that's they're hopefully going to be opening uh, very soon. Um, but they have brought they're, they're doing a lot of renovations to that building, uh, but they're also doing a lot of maintaining of the of the existing stuff. Like they're keeping the, the same old floors, the uh, same elevator shaft is is there. It's not working, but it is it is there. But they have also brought in some pieces. Um, for instance, they brought in a. I believe it might be like an old fireplace with a very large mirror and that they apparently brought in. I think it was from a speakeasy um, from somewhere down south. Um, so there's a lot of other things that are being brought in as well that have some interesting history that we don't necessarily know about yet that I'm hoping that they will share. But um, it's, okay, it's going to be a very interesting and, and unique place for downtown Wake Forest for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the footsteps thing is also something else that we, uh, we encountered during those two nights. Um, I believe it was Walker and I kept hearing, uh, footsteps move up and down where the stairs originally went back down to the basement. We kept hearing something move up and down that area and that's completely cut off. There's no access to it, at least not at the time that we were there. So that one stood out to me as well. Uh, one other thing about the lore, I apologize. Um, and I don't mean to be stepping on toes, but one of the things that we learned during the human pendulum session was that one of the spirits is not happy about the alcohol sales in town. And we thought that was very interesting seeing as how this is a going to be an establishment that is going to be serving a significant amount of, of alcohol and boozy ice cream and things like that. So I don't know if that's perhaps stirring up even more activity. Quite possibly. Um, I mean, we all know that, that I mean, according to uh, th theoretical <laughs> thoughts on this is that anytime you start doing renovations in these places, you stir things up. So, I mean, it's, it's always possible that something strange could be going on, but to have something uh, uh, lean in and say like, no, 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 none of that kind of makes you wonder if it's a prohibition ghost. We don't want any of those. They're probably a little cranky, not too much fun. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, I think that building was built in 1920. I'm pretty sure that side of it, because it's one of the buildings in town that is, you can see where the windows of the adjacent building were bricked over and they just built basically, you know, three walls around it and just kind of added it onto what was already existing. Okay. So we should actually look into, uh, to Paul's history with the city and see if he was a prohibition act, uh, activist and, and like, pro-prohibition, so to speak, because uh, that would definitely make a little bit more sense. 
but it still cracks me up that Paul keeps uh, showing up, not only a broadside and bruise, but pretty much right across the street too. And that's what I find uh, really funny. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the other locations that we that we hit up. So the Cotton Company was the other location that we got to do a little bit more of an extended one at, and Paul's name came back up again through the spirit box on that. Which, again, kind of leads me into the concept that whatever this is, it's definitely moving around. Which would kind of make sense if Paul really was, in fact, a leader for the community. He's kind of making his strolls and patrols and uh, assessing everything and seeing what's going on. Which is starting to make sense to me in a narrative, I I guess. But that place was really interesting, too, because we had a lot of strange noises going on. Um, We inadvertently accidentally caught some orbs on the security cameras, which was hilarious. I I wish we would have uh, gotten our hands on those because that was pretty captivating. What's the lore and story behind the Cotton Company? Because that was one of the places that I asked that we kind of go in blind and not know much about before we, we start digging into this. Well, Libby, I know that you've done a lot of independent research. You've not gone down a rabbit hole. Not as much on the cotton company as much as the mill because of the Luna story. Okay. So the cotton company was processing, right? The bales and then shipping. They they would um they'd bring the bales in and take them out by train. So they the royal mill was about a mile and a half north of downtown Wake Forest, and they would put the bales on. They would get them down to the cotton company, um, and then they would, from there, the trains would come through. They'd load the trains with the cotton and take it all over the southeast. And um as I mentioned earlier, it was the largest cotton brokerage in the Southeast for a very long time, probably until the Depression hit and um, everything went kind of haywire. But um, it's uh, it, it does have a long history, and uh, I myself. Uh, plan to go to the museum and see if I can dig up a little more history on it just to kind of get some more of the background and hopefully names. Yeah, I did definitely discover, um, you know, I'm sure we can all imagine it was pretty hard labor. Um, All of that definitely in the mill specifically, I found this sort of poem song, I guess, that was kind of circulating uh, about the millwork and how basically you were completely miserable, worked to the bone. And if you, you know, if you got out of there alive, you were lucky. Um, so I can't imagine that the work down the street, loading the bales and all that would have been all that much different um, than what they were doing up at the mill. So at the very least, I would assume a lot of very, um, like I said, hard backbreaking labor was going on in that building for a really long time. And you can sense it too. Like, I mean, if you're open to this and you kind of, kind of pick up on residual energies that are around here, which unfortunately I don't even have a control over that anymore. It just happens. You go up to that second floor in the cotton company and the, the atmosphere is thick. It, um, it, it feels, 
I don't want to say like dark or scary or uninviting. It just uh, feels weighted. Like you can tell that um, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears were probably shed in that area. I would have loved to have actually locked in to like do a complete and total overnight of that second floor. But if I remember correctly, it was it was a little toasty uh, when we were doing that. So a little little too warm to try to hole up in a place with no air conditioning on that second floor. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> The railroad actually runs right behind the cotton company, and on the second floor is where they would package all those bales and actually get them loaded onto the train, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not sure if we shared. It was originally called the WW Holding Building, and holding is a still very. I mean, there's a lot of holdings around town. A lot. We have a street name holding. Um, yeah. There's. It's a long-term name for family name for the area. Okay. Now, speaking of the uh, the train tracks that run through downtown, let's let's take a little trip a little bit further down the road because one of the other locations that we went to is uh, the depot um, or the the station that's that's there on uh, on the railroad tracks, just a few blocks away, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yes. Of all the places that we went to, that was the spot that Walker and I like our our sixth sense started going off. It was, it was really, really heavy and we couldn't really figure out why. Not so much necessarily in the building itself, because correct me if I'm wrong, that building is relatively new, uh, by comparison to the rest of, of downtown, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we were told that it was moved from another location, that it's actually a fairly old building, but it was brought in and put there for other purposes. But I can't remember the exact history of that specific structure, but it was not originally construction constructed there, um, if I'm recalling correctly. Okay. Regardless, like while we were there, we we ran a couple of experiments and we got some interesting pings off of the spirit box and some of our other sensors started going off. But every time that I would step out, my eyes were constantly drawn to just a little bit further down the track and I couldn't really put my finger on it, but both Walker and I were staring down at that going like, there's something weird. Uh, about this whole area and we can't put a finger on it and i it was one of you that later on that evening you were like yeah so there was actually a pretty terrible train wreck right there if if i remember correctly that it was pretty horrific a lot of lives were lost weren't there shockingly there weren't nearly as many fatalities as one would expect from such a horrific train wreck uh but there have been multiple accidents on those train wrecks with multiple fatalities. Okay. All roughly in the same area? Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically, yeah, on that corner, uh, one train actually struck the building there, that big, tall, white building that sits basically right beside it. Um, and then another building after de- or another train after derailing just missed the building by a few inches. And so, yeah, both were after striking cars and both did have a fatality in the car that was hit. Um, and there's been a couple other along the tracks, kind of in a couple of mile stretch around there. Yeah, it's yeah. actually there. It says there were at least six fatal accidents in an 11 year span. Wow. OK. In that one concentrated area. 
maybe take the train tracks in a different direction. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I was definitely drawn to that building that it uh, hit too. We didn't get a chance to go in there and explore that one, but I'm hoping we will be able to in the future. But yeah, that whole area of downtown is is really, really thick. Of all the things that we picked up on uh, during our visits up there, a lot of it seemed very passive. The interactions that we were getting were were pretty mild with the exception of the, you know, the wumps on the floor, which wasn't too scary. It just kind of throws you off if you're not expecting it. But that whole stretch of that railroad is, uh, it gives me, uh, how do they, the creeping willies, I think is the best way to put it. <laughs> so those were, those were the main spots that we actually got to investigate, um, as, as the XV Planus team kind of meeting up and teaming up with you guys and, and scoping some of this out. And it definitely gave us a baseline that, I mean, I can flat out tell you that, yeah, there is, there's plenty going on there. There's something going on. Um, we're definitely looking forward to reconnecting with you guys here in the spring and further our research on it and see what else we can stir up or uh, uh, invoke, revoke, whatever you want to call it. But those are just a small handful of spots in, in this whole stretch, and, and there's so much more to it. And I know that all of you have little bits of stories of, of high strangeness yourselves, and, and I would like to talk to all of you about your own individual experiences being in these places and what you've experienced with your, your own five senses. I feel like Dolores should be first because she's got the <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on, Dolores. Well, uh, I own a small gift shop, and we actually started in an older home that was around the corner and down the street a bit. And um, while we were there, my business partner and I experienced voices in the back and seeing uh, like a black mass out of the corner of our eyes. So um, it didn't run us out, but we got a more advantageous location. So we moved up to White Street, which is the main street downtown. And for a couple months, there was nothing. Um, but I sometimes I would teach classes at night and I would be cleaning up. It'd be about 9.30 or 10 and I would hear the floor creaking, which it creaks when people, people walk on it. Um, things like that. And it, in my building, to turn the lights off, you have to turn them off at the back. And then run like hell up to the front to turn the alarm off and lock the front door. But I just I got kind of used to that and um I began to not be very scared. Probably the craziest thing that has happened, uh one of two was I had a customer, two two ladies that are regular customers, and we were talking you know about the spirits they actually brought it up when i said every time i come in here i feel a brush on the back of my legs like something has walked behind me and i said well i, I understand that probably 15 minutes or 15 seconds later a large wreath literally flew off the wall and landed about eight feet from where we were standing. 
And uh, none of us screamed, which I thought was really, really good. But there were at least four people that witnessed that. Uh, and there have been other things that have um, have gone on in there. That's probably the most profound experience I've had. But I've, we do hear voices. We hear knocking. Um, I found out there used to be a pool hall downstairs. So it's kind of, that kind of fits. Uh, so there have been a couple other things that have happened recently. And um, they've been creepy but fun. So I just uh, greet in the morning and I say sweet dreams when I leave at night. So, and you gave me the uh, the opportunity to step in there with you for for a minute, just to to kind of briefly do a walkthrough. And <laughs> I I was definitely getting the vibe that I was being watched the the whole time that I was walking through there. When I come back, I would love to do a a much deeper investigation of that location. But mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you. You said that before you moved to that location, you were at another, and you were already experiencing some weird stuff there. Yes. Yes. Do you think this followed you from there or do you think this is something different over there? I I honestly think this is something totally different. Um may maybe and and I feel like there's probably more than one that that is where I'm located now. Uh so perhaps the one from the house did come but the one that I have, uh, that I feel like kind of came with the building. Um, it's a different feel. I'm, I'm not scared of that presence. The other presence really scared me so much so that several times I said, forget it. I locked the doors and I went home an hour, an hour and a half before normal closing time. So, but this one feels kind of like a nurturing um, spirit, I think. And I think he or she likes me. Uh, we seem to get along pretty well, except that they like to hide things from me. And um, then they'll just kind of reappear. But um, it's, uh, it, it's, I've always been fascinated by the supernatural um, and to be experiencing these things and not be terrified is a big step for me. Um, and I'm enjoying it. So I don't want them to go anywhere. They can stay. I mean, I'll go somewhere before they do because it's their building. I like that. I, I appreciate that. And I can also relate to the uh, the reaction of seeing those those black masses. There's something very, very different uh, about having, you know, something that maybe plays with you a little bit, you know, moves stuff around, interacts with you with some knocks and some stepping. But when you get a visual representation of that, of moving shadows, that's not fun. It, it'll, it'll get under your skin pretty quick. So I, I can definitely relate to that. Yes. Definitely looking forward to getting back in there and uh, and and seeing if maybe we can actually define who's hanging out there with you. I would I would love 
love, love to know. It would be wonderful. And we've gotten some good his history on that building. Now we've put up historical plaques on a majority of the buildings down there. So that's Excellent. been fun to learn too. Oh, that's great. Okay, Kent, do you have any uh, direct firsthand accounts that you want to share? I have to say I had not until the night that we or the two nights that I got to do the uh, sessions with you guys. Um, I have asked many times when I'm in Dolores' store for her ghost to say hello. It has not cooperated We're going yet. down at night. We're, we're going to go at three o'clock in the morning. So. I'm determined to meet her ghost. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I mean, I, I was super excited to participate. Um, didn't know what to expect. But um, I, I definitely experienced things through the human pendulum sessions. Um, and then when we were at the cotton company, the thing that to me stands out the most, um, nothing scary other than I couldn't explain it, but there was a very loud, distinct whistle from the back of the building that I heard clear as day. That's right. And yeah. it kind of freaked me out a little bit, but, but in a good, exciting way, because it was, it, it didn't, it, it seemed harmless, um, but it, it was one that. I cannot explain. There was nobody back there. It sounded like it was far away, but it also sounded like it was right there. And um, that was that was very interesting to me. Audio representations like that are very, very confusing. And, and even for me, somebody who's like an audiophile, I'm obsessed with audio, with sound. I mean, I'm a musician. I'm a sound designer, all of this stuff. When you hear something like that, it's as you said, it's it's close by, but it's far away. You just cannot place it in a depth level. Like it, it seems to be coming from every direction and nowhere all at once. Now, speaking of that night, were any of you all with me when we were hearing the whispering near the back bathroom? I was not, but I okay. know we had some other committee members who who did distinctly hear it. That was the other thing that really stood out to me that the the real big like, whoa, that's that's weird is I was walking through the back of the store and there's that little hallway that takes you into the bathroom in the back. Every time that I would pass that area, we would start hearing like, you know, you couldn't make out any actual words, but it sounded like somebody whispering. And I think it was uh, I think it was Sunny who I pulled over there with me. I'm like, you are you hearing this? Are you hearing this? And she's like, yeah. And it seemed to be coming from the bathroom. And so we got a little bit closer to it and I put my ear to it and it still sounded like whispering. So I'm like, you know what? All right, let's just do it. So I open the door, fling it open, and immediately it stops. And it just stays that way for the rest of the night. It's super quiet. But up until that point, yeah, there was like a constant whispering going on over there. And in the far opposite corner... Uh, of that whole first floor area, we were also hearing some weird noises way back in that corner. So there's definitely some really interesting audio uh, phenomena going on there. The next time that we all get together, I'm going to try to set up some trail cams that are motion and sound activated to see if we might actually be able to pick up on some of the audio and visual phenomena as it's happening, because there's, there's definitely something going on there. Now, Libby, how about you? Have, have, you, uh, have you had your bell rung yet? Um, I've definitely throughout my life seen all sorts of wild, crazy things that I can't come up with any logical ex explanation. And to be clear, um, you might think because I'm an 
massage therapist. I'm into the energy and the crystals and all those kind of things. It's not really how I practice. I practice very medically, um, really methodical about the, the science behind technique and the anatomy and all those things. So I'm very much a like, show me the proof sort of person. So for me to say that I've seen things that I absolutely have to chalk up to something other than normal, um, and and put it in that box. I'm absolutely obsessed with the idea of these things that I can't explain. I think it's just endlessly fascinating. So I definitely lived in a house that was haunted um, to the point where my current husband would not stay there with me. Um, it was, yeah, it was very, very intense. We saw all sorts of things and heard crying and talking and the kids' toys would play by themselves periodically. And all these things stopped when we moved out of that house. Um, and so that was sort of my first, it was like a year long kind of in-depth <laughs> encounter. And it got to where I wasn't so much freaked out about it, but you were always on edge because you were just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And so that kind of was what originally sparked my interest in all of this and kind of finding out more and trying to get to the how and the why. And um, so I've seen some random odd things since then, nothing too, too crazy, just, you know, things turning on unexplainably or, you know, noises, thumps, maybe somebody talking um, until we started doing this stuff. And I have to say going around and trying to, um, talk to business owners or employees in in town. It is amazing how many people have experiences in just about every one of the buildings in downtown. New, old, it doesn't seem to matter. Um, all of them will say either, well, I don't really have a story, but I just get this weird, creepy feeling, or I've heard some things, but maybe not enough to justify, you know, I, I don't know, you know, they're not willing to commit, but I think just about every one of the buildings down here has something to it. So um, that was definitely enough for me to think this is worthwhile to, to really look into. And then um, when Dolores and I did the Estes session upstairs, that was kind of mind blowing all of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it didn't scream that much. <laughs> <laughs> It throws you for a loop. It really, really does. And, and you know, to be honest, like I said, 80, 90% of the time on investigations, nothing ever happens. But you have a whole stretch of a city there that's chock full of something that is interested in communicating. And I think that's amazing. Like, it's, it's active, it is interactive, and it seems to kind of want it. Like, it kind of wants to talk. It kind of wants to hang out. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily think that there's anything ooh, dark and scary. I don't buy into the whole, um, shock thing when it comes to paranormal investigating. Believe me, it can get spooky at times, but if you stay calm, you stay balanced and just listen, you're going to find out that these things, this phenomena as a whole is a little bit more communicative than people normally think. Um, and we especially won't pull into the whole, you know, ghost bro, come at me, ghost, come at me, bro. <laughs> I hate that stuff. <laughs> that's why, that's why I don't watch any of the paranormal shows. They just, they make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> 
where where can my listeners find out more about Spirits Awake for us? Uh, I'm I'm going to add all the links into the show notes for everybody, but coming from you all, what's the best way to keep up with it? I I would say the Town Awake Forest website, um, and you just type in Spirits Awake Forest, uh, and the tour information will come up, and um, that that's our primary. Um, resource for folks um also our tickets sell out um i would say almost immediately wouldn't you ladies like within 10 days to two weeks they're gone and um so i gosh i'd love to make more money from it but i also think that limiting the number each year that we have just makes that many more people want to come out next year. And I hope that it continues to go for years to come um, because everybody loves it. Yeah. It's, it's a a tremendous fundraiser for our organization and for downtown um, as a whole for what we try to do for the economic vitality of downtown. So I think, you know, not only is it lots of fun for the community and like we said, really educational, we have people on the tours that are new to the area that are just enthralled with um, the downtown itself. And then people that have lived here forever that will say throughout the tour, I didn't know that. Oh, I had no idea that that's what that used to be. So that's always really fun too. But um, to know, you know, how much that benefits um, the the downtown area, the businesses, and the community on a whole, um, those those tours and and the funds that we're able to raise there is it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I would recommend folks follow Wake Forest Downtown Inc. on social media um, to because they will do a lot of promotion ahead of time, announcing when the tickets will go for sale, things like that. Um, so definitely follow Wake Forest Downtown Inc. on social media. I, I think one of the neatest experiences that we have every year uh, there's always several people each year that have experienced one of the stories that is told whether it's at white street brewing whether it's the story of luna people come out and say oh my gosh that happened to me and that just makes me so happy. I just want to jump up and down <laughs> because it it's so validating for what we're doing too, I think. And I would like to emphasize that as well. On the very first, I think it was my first tour that I volunteered for this year. There was a couple that was in town visiting from, I believe, Colorado. And the husband had been here before for work and the wife, this was her first time visiting here and they were considering whether or not to move to Wake Forest. And they had been here for a couple of days prior to the tour. And she said she was already leaning towards wanting to come here. But after experiencing the tours and how much the downtown businesses had Um, embraced Halloween and the fall spirit with their decorations and the quaintness and the charm and the cool factor. Um, She said, I'm, I'm convinced this is where we need to move to. And the tour really solidified that for her. And she just had the best time of her life. 
I'm sure. And to all of my listeners, Wake Forest really is, it's it's a beautiful little spot. Great food, by the way. Seriously, you need to, you should definitely go check it out. Um, I'm going to have links to all of this and to all of your respective businesses in the show notes for my listeners. Uh, definitely, guys, go out and support this project. It is a, a wonderful idea. You're out of luck this year, but uh, you can guarantee that I will be giving everybody as much of a heads up as possible for next year, and we'll we'll just keep seeing those numbers grow because y'all get the XV plan a seal of approval. And I would love to say quickly, if anybody goes into any of the businesses in downtown Wake Forest and experiences anything spooky, paranormal, unexplainable, and would like to add it, we are always looking for you know, new uh, stories or little notes that we can add along each year. And it's amazing. Every year we get new stories, new accounts. Um, it, we we have an endless supply. We rotate on a regular basis because there are just that many stories and accounts from people. But we're, like I said, we're always looking. Well, that's just what I'm telling you. Stop in for a bite and you might see something cool. Exactly. No, that's the thing. It's, again, like I said, whatever is there, it wants the attention. It like it's not hiding. It it wants to come out and play. And that's I find that to be absolutely fascinating because, you know, being a paranormal investigator for years, sometimes you gotta wait a really, really long time, and sometimes nothing happens, and sometimes you gotta chase things down in order to make it happen. Not this. No, no, no. They come out of like, hey, come on in. <laughs> when the women's bathroom at the brewery is a hot spot, you know, <laughs> you have a pretty, you know, paranormal infested town. Yeah, we just need to make sure that that one's being respectful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I experienced it. It was respectful. Okay. All right. Um, well, before we wrap up here, I really want to reiterate to my audience that, that we just barely scratched the surface uh, on this. I don't want them to tell all the stories here on the show because I am seriously encouraging you all to go out there, experience this firsthand. They've done a wonderful job with it. And even if you're not a paranormal investigator, if you're just a, a legend tripper or a, a paranormal tourist, do this. Go take this tour. You, I mean, if you're open to it, you will probably have an interaction. Give it a shot. I mean, it's again, you guys got my seal of approval. I love and respect what you all are doing. And I can't wait to get back up there and work with you all again. We're looking forward to seeing y'all. And we are very grateful for you and your team and what y'all contributed. And uh, you just further enhanced this wonderful experience for our attendees. So thank you. Well, ladies, I want to thank you all again so much for joining me. This is just the tip of the iceberg with, with all of this. You can expect quite a bit more uh, coverage, especially once I get out of the steamy swamps of the South and back to uh, uh, East Coast Carolina, where I feel way more comfortable. So once I get back up there and uh, start working with you guys again, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe there's a couple of surprises and collaborations that we can do to uh, to raise some money and some awareness for, for what you all do. I have some ideas, but we're not going to talk about them here. You're just going to have to keep listening. <laughs> all of you, Dolores, Kent, Libby, thank you all again so much. And thank you again so much for the opportunity to be the first paranormal investigator to check out some of these places. I can't tell you how much of an honor that is to me. We perform our experiments very, very differently from other teams, as you've already seen. We work very, very differently. We're not antagonistic. So having the opportunity to check out a place who is 
not had the unfortunate experiences of having people track mud in uh, on their shoes into places. It's it's truly a beautiful and unique thing. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the opportunity. Thank you. We really appreciate it so much how you guys go about your, your work and all the experiments and including us and really explaining why and the how. And we do really try to be respectful in how we tell the stories because a lot of the families are people that have lived here and continue to live here generation after generation. So that respect is really important to us. And we so appreciated the way that you and all of your team went about your investigation. And we would love to do it again. <laughs> We'll we'll be back soon. Well, I'll be back soon, but I can guarantee you that as soon as the tours are over, you're going to be hearing from uh, the rest of the the East Coast team. They'll they'll be getting in touch with you once things die off and the tours are done, and you can catch your breath for a minute. Uh, but they'll definitely be in touch soon, and uh, hopefully, we can keep building on that data set and figure out what's really going on there. Can't wait. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank right. you. Many thanks to Libby, Kent, and Dolores for joining me tonight to discuss the spirits of Wake Forest and their ongoing projects. Be sure to check out all the links in the show notes to keep track of their project and go support their businesses. As you know, here at XV Planets, we love and support our small and independently owned businesses. I can't thank them enough for the opportunity to investigate the locations that are virtually untouched by potentially toxic nature of paranormal investigators. We do our best not to fall into the shock-jock nature of all of it that you'll often find on television. Baggins, I'm looking at you. And I'm happy we were able to help them gather some data about what is potentially going on there in Wake Forest. You can guarantee that you'll be hearing about these locations a lot more in the future, and hopefully some pretty epic collaborations that may be open to the public next year. Stay tuned to find out more. Be sure to tune in on Halloween night for a very special episode where we'll be doing a feature-length commentary of the Mothman prophecies with screenwriter Rich Haddam. Patreon subscribers will not only get access to this earlier, but you'll also get to see our beautiful and or grisly faces as we do the deep dive into one of my favorite movies of all time. But the audio version will be available on all platforms on Halloween. We will be doing a small Q&A after the commentary, so if you have any questions for Rich, be sure to send them to xvplanus at gmail.com by Monday, October 23rd. In the meantime, if you're craving more XV Planus, consider donating to our Patreon at www.patreon.com xvplanus, where you'll gain access to exclusive content. There is a whole other separate series on there, as well as extended interviews, exclusive episodes with special guests, and so much more. There will be two new additions to the Patreon-exclusive series, Transmissions from the Void, coming in the next two weeks. A sincere thank you to all subscribers who support the show and donate to the Patreon. You are awesome, and I cannot express enough just how much every little bit helps to make this show happen a little easier. Don't forget to follow us on Blue Sky, Twitter, and no, I am not calling it X... Instagram, threads, Facebook, everywhere as XVPlanus, and you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes as usual. 
If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and especially review us. Tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people at the bus stop about us. We are a DIY independent production, and the only way that we're going to grow is by you sharing us with others who might enjoy taking this trip down many a rabbit hole with us. Be sure to check out all of the great shows on the Green Mushroom Podcast Network, like Lux Occult, Unearthing Paranormalcy, Grognostics, and so many more. You can keep tabs by going to www.greenmushroomproject.com and add that to your bookmarks to keep up with the network in the future. The show is produced in the Black Lodge, wherever that resides in this particular moment of time and space, and is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music for the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods or anywhere you stream your music. No part of the show or its music may be reproduced without consent. Copyright Folds and Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood. This has been XC Planets. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. And I'll see you in the between.